Welcome to episode number 68 of Nurses Living the Good Life. My name's Ann Conkley. I'm a certified nurse midwife and a certified life and business coach, and I'm so glad that you're here. In this week's episode, you're going to meet Theo Jones, who is a family nurse practitioner and founder of the Weekend White Coat Concierge, which is a primary and urgent care practice in Maryland that offers telehealth services, home visits, and IV hydration. In this podcast, you're going to learn who told Theo he'd never make it in nursing, such a joke, um, why Theo started and grew his concierge practice, and how he thinks as a nurse CEO, and one of his principles that he talks about that includes buying his time back. So these are important concepts that I think are going to be, number one, familiar to you if you are a nurse CEO, but also I think will give you another vantage point and more evidence that exists out there in the world that when you have an idea, the only one that is stopping you from making that shit happen is you, okay? So use this as an example of what is possible. This is a great candid conversation with Theo. I enjoyed every aspect of it. I encourage you to go and look him up and to follow him on Instagram and to watch his journey as it unfolds and evolves. So uh, without further delay, here is Theo Jones. Enjoy. Hi, Theo. I'm so glad that you're here. All right. You guys, I, I think you, we are in for a treat today. Theo Jones, welcome to nurses living good life podcast. I'm uh, excited to interview you and I've seen you on Instagram with goat in a white coat. And, um, I, uh, have gone through your website and I think what you're doing is fantastic. I would love if you would just start off with telling us a little bit about yourself and then just sharing kind of how, you know, your background in terms of like, you know, nursing and how you got to this point in your career. Sure. sure. Yes. My name is uh, Theo Jones, um, AKA goat in a white coat. Um, my patients think I'm the greatest. I think I'm the greatest. hundred <laughs> percent. I, um, so what I do is concierge medicine and my practice is called weekend white coat concierge. And I got here by way of a very funny chance encounter. So uh, by nature, I'm a nurse practitioner, a family nurse practitioner specifically uh, in my certification. And nursing was my accidental career, or actually my second career. Um, so before I even dove into nursing, I was a psychology major. And I just so happened to be visiting a friend at, at a community college here in Baltimore. And I was looking over at the wall after working in the psych field for about two, three years. I was like, I hate this. I hate that people always dump their mental burden on me and I'm not being paid enough to deal with this. So I started to look into the healthcare field. And uh, initially, I was supposed to take start taking classes with my older brother because he was trying to change careers, too. He flaked on me at the last minute, and I still kept going. Uh, so I started taking classes. Um, eventually, I ended up um, getting ready to sit for my T's test. And I took my T's test, and I did all these CLEP tests to get out of classes that I knew I could already get out of. And I sit down with this nursing advisor, and she tells me I'll never make it into a nursing program with my grades. Um, proves how much she know. Uh-huh. Yep. It's actually a funny story because every year, um, every year I do something new or I just do something bigger. I send her an email. She's still at the same college. I send her an email of all the stuff that I'm doing. Um, so when I graduated my master's, I sent her some photos. When I got my bachelor's, I sent her some photos. When I got into school, I sent the photos. So, Good for you. 
she's tired of me. And when I did my first speaking engagement um, last year, I sent video. I just know this lady's tired of me. But uh, <laughs> All right. I ended up going to a bachelor's program uh, at a school called Sojourner Douglas College here in Baltimore. Um, and it was a three-year accelerated program. Uh, it was an LPN exit option in between. So when I did my first year and a half, I took my LPN and clicks on my lunch break. And I got my first job as a corrections LPN doing that for about a year and a half until I finished uh, my RN. So I finished my RN, uh, of course, a year and a half later. Um, I passed my test on the first try. 75 question warrior here. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I started my career at uh, Johns Hopkins here in Baltimore. I did uh, my first five months in the ICU. I did a. Uh, I did a um residency program there. The uh, the residency program is awesome. Uh, I didn't like ICU, and the reason is probably funny, be more so because one, it did not mesh well with my personality. That's it's real like type A, and I'm very laid back as a person, and it mm-hmm. just it just didn't vibe well with me. But the alternative that I ended up getting into was uh was trauma OR believe it or not. So I became a trauma OR nurse okay. uh, after my ICU stand. They're not type A at all over there. Shit. No, you got to be able to perform under pressure. Like, I mean, you got to be like ice cold in the veins, you know? Yeah. So all those people that, that, you know, they hold their arm up with those pitches, like ice cold in the veins, they ain't got nothing on me. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so while I was uh while I was doing that, uh, I flipped to weekend option while I was there. Um, while on weekend option, I made my first uh, six figures uh, as a registered nurse at bedside, um, which kind of changed my outlook on things and how I felt about my career and what I could do with it. Of course, you know, I was like, of course, everybody gets to the point where that just like burnt out, you know, everybody hits that point where it's just like, Jesus Christ, how many more people going to die in this city? Or, you know, how many more patients or how many times is my boss going to walk in and say, you know, this, that, and the third, something got to change X, Y, Z. So while I was working on the weekends, I was going to school during the week. Uh, so what I did was I started a hybrid program. So I was going between Maryland and, and Chicago, uh, probably about maybe like once or twice a year, uh, for two and a half years until I finished my program. And, uh, it took me about two and a half years to do a family nurse practitioner program. Uh, while I was doing it, uh, I did my training at, uh, a family practice here at, uh, Mercy Medical Center here in Baltimore. And uh, my preceptor, she was a hospitalist and uh, a family practice clinic owner. So I got the best of both worlds of uh, watching an entrepreneur and watching her, you know, operate as a hospitalist in more of a intensive clinical inpatient setting. So I got a chance to learn a lot from that um, aspect. And uh, my pediatrician rule, my pediatric rotation was actually with my um, pediatrician from when I was a kid. And I mean, this man was amazing. He owned his own practice. He recently uh, sold his practice. I I broke my heart because that man was a genius. Um, He ran a million dollar practice. He was one of the best that I've ever seen do it. And he kind of gave me a blueprint to my model to what I like to do with patients in a way. Uh, So when I started to move my practice, I started to uh, take cues from what he did in the beginning and what I learned and what I decided to implement. Uh, so in between there, um, after I finished school in 2018, um, getting 
certified certified and licensed and getting your DEA and your CD uh your um your Merlin CDA or I forget what it's called. Trust me. It's so many different things that you got to get. It, I, I swear, you got to get all these certifications. You got to get all this prescribing authority. And then to yeah. turn around and do it in multiple states is even crazier. Yeah. Um, but so after I got all of my prescribing authority, the first thing I did was take up a fellowship. Um, so I did a pain management, uh, acute pain management fellowship. Uh, I spent about four months at Georgetown, followed by another additional six months running a pain team over at another uh, community hospital here in Maryland. After that, I switched to internal medicine and I was a nurse practitioner hospitalist for about maybe one to two years. I'm still, I'm still dipping in and out of that role every once in a while. I still like the moonlight to keep my inpatient clinical skills intact. Uh, but in between all of that, uh, I got this great idea to start a concierge medicine practice and Initially, I was going to do it as a, a telemedicine practice because, you know, in 2018, telemedicine wasn't, you know, the thing that it is now. Yeah. Everybody is just like, oh, I've never heard of a practice like that. Matter of fact, everybody that told that I told my idea to, they thought I was crazy. They mm -hmm. said that that's not going to work. Nobody's going to pay for that. And mm -hmm. I was like, bet. I bet you they will. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think. 20, 2018, I think December 2018, I filed for my LLC. Um, I've always had this idea of being a concierge medicine practice, a telemedicine practice owner. It was just how would I implement this? How would I put this into play? And I got a lot of ideas. Um, one of my biggest inspirations was always that one friend or family member that'll call you and say, Hey, what do you think this is? Mm -hmm. Um do you, do you think you can give me some information about this? Or do you think that, you know, how would you treat this? Yeah. There's always that one person that calls you and say, what do you think this is? Yep. And do I need to go to the hospital? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's always yeah. like, why are you asking me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting paid to do this, nor do I have the insurance to back this up. You, <laughs> yeah, right. to my ass. you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So what I ended up doing was, you know what? How about I start? a console service in his service in his manner you know when my first day was all right here we go guys twenty dollars a month you can get any you can get any amount of like telemedicine visits with me and then there we go i started there with that model twenty dollars a month unlimited telemedicine i think i got about one patient that's still like grandfathered in on that my practice oh my god that's amazing can yeah. you i mean hold on can you just even imagine 20 bucks a month like that is a you want to talk about no-brainer no brainer pricing. How that to start? It's a steal. How do you know what though? I love this because I think we we I think that so many of the clients that I work with and see they're like, I want to do medical weight loss. I want to do it, you know, a thousand dollars a month. And I'm like, look, are not a problem because we could sell it at that. And here's the other thing I want to offer you to you create something that's a fucking no brainer price and just watch people come to you and pay you money, build up your practice, start to generate some referrals, start to generate a name for yourself and a brand and a reputation and watch your business take off. Like it's amazing to do that. Like a flight. And yep. people, people don't think about that, um, that you just starting out. Think about this. Who the fuck is going to give you a thousand, two thousand, four thousand dollars if nobody know who you are? Yeah. Um. I only took on one mentee in the last like two years, and 
um another brilliant nurse um uh, told me don't mentor people too much because uh what they'll do is they'll take everything that you have to offer and you have nothing to build in your business and it just haunts me every time somebody say do you mentor and like um our niece just pops up in the side of my head like don't do it <laughs> you know it i mean there is probably there is some truth to that and the other side of it as you know is that nobody's ever going to be able to take Theo Jones's method and Theo Jones's way. Yes. I agree with that. Right. I mean, like people could try to replicate it all they want. They'll go build concierge medicine practices, but like, there's a reason that you, we become successful and no one can ever, ever, ever take that. So yes, I agree. Right. Be, be, uh, be aware of, of your intellectual property and what you give out in terms of how you support people. And remember, like we come from a full place of abundance and sufficiency on this one. Nobody's ever recreating Theo Jones. Never, never, never. I'm Not the goat. Come on. Especially, especially uh-huh. after this year, I've I've implemented. I've do, I've been doing some really like deep diving to try to fix my um fix up my practice to a way that the offer is like extremely undeniable once you're on the inside. I've been implementing uh, artificial intelligence and automation into the deal. So I'm yep. doing this. Uh, I'm, my uh my concierge black package, which I'm really proud of, is a uh. uh We'll make your healthcare automated through the practice and patients will sign up and I will literally auto schedule and auto generate everything that they're going to need in the next two to five years. On day one, we run through a risk and need screen just to try to screen for any future risk, whether it be cardiovascular, um, endocrine, or if it's uh, any kind of uh, musculoskeletal, things of that nature. And then from that algorithm that I've used to spit out, we'll pair patients or specialists to give them kind of a pre-treat so you can try to avoid uh, any of these uh, future diseases or injuries or things of that nature. And uh, I think that is going to be the next level in preventative medicine and care. And once I've gotten this like model patented, I'm going to roll it out and see if I can sell it at some point in the future. So yes, yes, the sauce is the sauce. I get you. Yeah. So I'm very proud of I'm very proud of what I'm doing over here, especially pairing it with a technology aspect. Most people think that healthcare is this old stale method and model, but it's well, wait not. a minute, because it is in a, a lot of places. Not over here. <laughs> no, right, exactly. It's not over here. Right. You know, a lot of places, um, what really like pisses me off with healthcare is that people will really sit at a desk and say, Oh, this is how it's always been done. This is how it always will be. And I'm just like, fuck no, that's not how it's supposed to be ever. We're all this is why we do evidence-based practice because we're always learning. If the evidence don't fit, we throw that shit in the trash and we start over. Next. If, yeah. If it don't work, why do we keep doing something that does not work? Actually, honestly, that pissed me off the most about working in the hospital is because every time we try to do something and they say, oh, well, no, you can't do that because that's not how it's been done in the past. That's not a reason to not trailblaze. That is like the dumbest thing you can say to somebody. Well, imagine if somebody told the Wright brothers like, oh, you can't fly. That's not what we've done in the past. We wouldn't have Bowens. 
You know what I mean? We wouldn't have Airbus. Our asses would be sitting in the same place. We'd never see an island except getting on a boat. You yeah, know? especially because remember the first guys who were before the Wright brothers who had like all the money and investment in the world and then to go out and figure out how to fly a plane. And then they were like, oh, well, I guess we can't do it. And then they stopped. And it had Wright brothers probably would only been a matter of time before somebody came along like Wright brothers and did it. But who knows? I mean, I don't know. If you right. didn't have that, right? Like people who came along and just were like, but wait, we could just, wait a minute. Like, what if we just wiped the slate clean on every um, uh, assumption that we made about, you know, what was necessary, what was needed. And we just, you know, started from scratch, like started right. from scratch. Right. Fuck common sense. Fuck, fuck all logic, right? Sometimes you got to throw that shit out the window to innovate. And as long as your patient's life is safe and you're pushing a boundary to make it better for them, it's mm-hmm. acceptable in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Why would you why would you stop just because somebody said no? Well, but wait, let's answer that because I think it's a I think it's a good point. I think we should just make mention of why people stop, but why did they stop? Because somebody says no. Just because somebody said no doesn't mean you should stop. I, I mean, in a in a different sense, right? We got to be consensual here. Let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> but like if somebody if you're trying to cross the street and somebody just steps in and says no, what, what the fuck are you going to do? Walk the back the other way? No, you're going to cross the street anyway because you need to get where you need to go. It yeah. doesn't make sense. If somebody says no, you cannot treat this patient. And they're going to have to go home sick. What are you, what are you going to do? You're just going to let that patient continue to be sick under your name, under your license after you started treatment? That makes no sense to me. Well, but that's the funny thing about fear, as you know, probably, right? Fear will yeah. paralyze a lot of people. Yeah. And especially if you have been brought up in a system that said, follow the rules or get your hand slapped or follow the rules because it is not appropriate for you to question because of the hierarchy that is in place in our structures here. Right. And so, right. I mean, a lot of people have developed uh, a, a, what what would we call it? I was not going to say a healthy fear, but they have a, an appreciation for the way in which things have always been done and the fear of like, if I go outside of the system and buck the trend, like that could be like your limbic system goes on fire. It's like, we could die here. This is not good, right? Your limbic system wants to convince you is the worst thing in the world. And so to be able to be like, no, no, wait, no. If somebody gets in front of me in the crosswalk and says, I can't go, I either get to just like not cross the street, not fix, not be able to ever go across the street again and get to my favorite baker with the pan of chocolate, or I'm just like, so good. I just note my fear and move around them and keep going anyways and go get my pastry. Like I get to choose in that moment, but that's a, right. I mean, that's a lot of the reason people don't do it because they're, you know, they're shaking in their boots and it's not wrong. It happens. It's a product, you know, I mean, like it's a product of many of us being brought up in systems and, and that aren't, you know, that are hierarchical and that are oppressive and, you know, all sorts of shit. Well, this is why you got to inspire independent thinking. It's kind of weird that we work in a system that inspires critical thinking, but then it also condemns it at the same time. Well, but, but Theo, who is, but who gets condemned for critical thinking? The critical thinkers, apparently. Well, but who was, I mean, think about the broader systems in healthcare. Like seriously, who gets condemned for critical thinking? Or let's just, let's just turn it around. Exactly. Who doesn't get condemned for critical thinking? 
the same people the same people who set the rules that make no sense exactly. you know it's weird the hospital is one of those places where the people who are in, administ in administration they have no real clinical knowledge or no extensive clinical knowledge and then the places that do have people that are in charge that have extensive clinical knowledge you see the difference right yeah. but you know a lot of these hospitals they have people coming in they have no real clinical knowledge they just make decisions based on saving money or they make decisions based on uh whatever kind of model or fucking diagram they pull out of thin air yeah. if you want to know why you got so many nurses leaving the bedside or you have so many strikes it's people like that that are coming in and taking over and making decisions unilaterally without even deciding to introduce a clinical aspect or thought frame to that but yeah you know what do i know I just walked away from the same thing that they're still in. <laughs> no, no, I think it's, I love it. I think you, I think you're, um, I think you're right to just say it. And, and that's, it's part of the truth that that's kind of the system that many of us, if you're, you know, if you've been in any sort of formal healthcare system and you've seen, right, a bunch of uh, white suits or white coats walk around or no, no, what do we call them? Not white coats, white suits. We call them blue suits. I think the blue suits walk around and like, you know, a bunch of like 40 something white dudes who came in blue suits and who made a bunch of decisions on, you know, what was going to happen. And, you know, you just, and they were the, they were in the administrative portion and, and you just had no you know, ability to really kind of, you could state your case, but whether or not that case was actually heard or taken into consideration was up for grabs. And, you know, yeah. so. Well, uh, 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 while we're at it, we need to diversify leadership in healthcare. I'm going to say that too. Healthcare yeah. is the, healthcare leadership is the least diverse thing that I've ever seen. Like you really have to dig into some hospitals and see that their upper management, I'm not talking about like nurse management right there at the base. I'm talking about upper management. I'm talking about the people that's making 250,000 and better up to a million. Yep. There's no diversity in that kind of management. No. And that's one of the most abhorrent things I've ever seen. We need to diversify management because if management or people that are in charge do not look like the people that they're in charge of, there is no relation. It's a whole different world. Yep. So no. that. That needs to fix itself immediately. Yeah. No. Well, and how to be right. But Theo, here's what everybody's wanting. They're like, but Theo, if you leave, how are we going to have somebody who's like the Theo Jones CEO of, you know, some large healthcare system? If you're out there doing your white, your, your black, uh, what is it? Your, I, um, Oh, I don't want to. I'm sorry to screw up the name. Um, your your white coat thing. Yeah. My concierge black. I mean, my my concierge black program. Yeah. If I'm out here in this world, right? They're like, well, what? you know, I mean, that's because that's what people say. Like, well, you know, I get this question all the time because people say, but how do I make change? How do I, how do I, you know, create change? And how do I fight within the system? Because very often it's a daily fight, and that right. fight comes with, you know, a lot of. Um, a lot of results, like a lot of, I think, clinical and health results for a lot of yeah. people who maintain their energy and time in that, in those systems. And yeah. so a lot of people say, but how, how do I then change it and not become, you know, so exhausted to the point where my health suffers. And I say, well, that's a very individual decision. Some people love the fight and some people are like, they want to exit out and figure out a way to change the system from the outside. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think as entrepreneurs, like, that's what we do. We kind we're like, yeah out i'm out you know like this system is so fucked like i you know i'm, I'm out i'm done <laughs> and then they exit and then they're like oh i get to build it exactly how i want it oh yeah. come to my playground like this is how i like to have it over here it's super fun come on over um and like, 
So you know the best way to combat that, and and it sounds funny, but exactly what I'm doing and exactly what you're doing. Uh, if you develop a sense of financial independence, you can go back into that private world and just not give a fuck about getting fired. Because yeah. a lot of people make decisions based on the fact that, oh, can this get can this get me fired? Um, can this can this decision speaking up for myself? Can this get me retaliated against? If you got fuck you money, you don't care because if you want to do your job to your fullest extent, to your scope of practice, you're going to do it. And you're not going to worry about, you know, who's going to who's not going to like it, who's not going to, you know, want to see you back. Because if you get fired, you're like, OK, whatever. I can just go back to my my business that I built. I don't need you. I'm independently yeah. wealthy. Well, I'm, I'm able to take care of myself and feed my family without your W2 check. Yep. Um, that's the that's the biggest way, just like many other movements. Right. You know, people who have people who are able to build a steady financial system or even a steady financial future, they live in a different world from people who are focused on that mindset of I need to get up at nine o'clock. I need to get to work. I need to have my coffee and I need to follow X amount of steps that somebody else gives me until I go home at five thirty. Yep. Or in the nursing world, we get a bit of ass crack dawn at 5 a.m. after only getting about six hours of sleep, you know, show up, take care of that same group of patients that pissed on us, shit on us, and ask for the same water and their family come in and ask for like whatever random ETC things that we shouldn't be getting. Um, we deal with the ever ending, the never ending task list that keep getting added because other uh, departments in the hospital keep coming up short and we got to make up for it as nurses at the bedside. Deal with nurse managers, deal with families and all this other stuff for 12 hours. Yep. Three times a week, three to four and times. And then again and again. Yeah. And then again and again. Right. Yeah. That's that ever going hamster wheel. Right. But the best way to make the most decisions or the best decisions is to not have to worry about that hamster wheel or not to have to worry about how your bills are going to get paid because you know that you got something set forth. Nothing is more freeing than knowing like, all right, my, my shit paid. I'm not worried about this. I can make these decisions and not have to stress out. Yeah. That's your freedom. Pure freedom. Your freedom. That's yeah. your freedom. Yeah. Freedom looks different for everybody. Right. Yep. Um, for me, my freedom is going to the gas station and letting the pump run and not even have to look at it. Or, you know, if I want to go get lunch for my family in the middle of the day, you know, God knows what the hell everybody else is doing. But if I want to get lunch for my family in the middle of the day yeah. and, and have a drink at lunch, you know, and not have to worry about going back to a unit, I want to. Or if I want to go on vacation and work from my laptop at the beach, free life. Right. I don't want to have to get up and, you know, throw my scrubs and white coat every day uh, just to say, all right, I'm a nurse. Right. See, that doesn't make my identity. What makes my identity is what I put into it. It makes me great at what I do. The decisions I make, the clinical acumen that I develop over time and, and expertise in the field. That's what makes me good at what I do. Not the clothes, not the infrastructure that I walk into and not the check that they would cut me. Right. Yeah. And I think too, um, and it sounds like that's your and answer this, like, what's your version of living the good life? And it sounds like that element of when I have my freedom intact, meaning I can do what I want to do and I'm not dependent upon, you know, X, Y, and Z organization to um, make sure I have enough food on the table, like I'm good, which I think is amazing. And I just want to build on what you said 
I think too, the other piece of entrepreneurship as in particular, rather than, um, right. When you go out and sell a service and you learn the art and you learn the basics of selling or of creating something of value, making an offer to someone and having them exchange their money for your time and your service, that is something that no one can ever take away from you. So even if the bank hits zero, right? Like even if the accounts are dried up, like your brain is not going anywhere. Like that's a skill, like, like, I can sell, I can create an offer. I know how to do that. I know how to, how to ask somebody, would you like this? And then when they say yes, give them the opportunity to to do that. And that's something that no one can ever take away from me. And I feel like that's freedom. Like yeah, nothing like that. Freedom is time, you know, Mm -hmm. that the ability to control your time is freedom. Everybody uh, has some limitation imposed on them at some level where their time is taken up. Right. Um, So one thing that you can always do is buy your time back. Right. Uh, You don't want to do low level activities. Get a virtual assistant. You don't want to clean your house. You hire a housekeeper. Don't want to pick up your own groceries. Instacart. Mm -hmm. Don't want to drive Uber. Right. Why not build yourself up with high level skills? Well, high level offers and buy your time back. Um, one of my favorite books on selling, uh, Alex Hermosi, uh, $100 million offer. Yeah. Man, so good. Amazing. So good. Make so your good. offer so good that they feel stupid not getting it. Yeah. Um, one, one other book that really inspired my life. I read this book about 12 years ago and it never changed. Um, uh, Tim Ferriss's four hour work week. Oh, that's how I got started. That's so funny. That I was, love that. That's your, that was like, yeah. I that was my to... catalyst. That yeah, was, that was too. definitely my catalyst in like practice. Four hour work week was absolutely my, my, that was my jam. And when I read that, I was like, I don't have to work every day Four hours of work. And that's it. I mean, and, and, and really, and truly sometimes that's really what it is. Four hours of work. Because at the time, if I, I I'll I'll sort my emails to I only see the important uh, the important ones. His email method, great. Hey, Fantastic. his virtual assistant method and outsourcing, fucking amazing. That guy amazing. was a genius. Uh-huh. Everything he put out, I've read it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he. I love. It's my. So, what was your? Th- what was that thought? It was like, what am I doing? Like, what the fuck am I doing? Or, or was it something like, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a different way. Is what it, was yeah, it? What the fuck am I doing? Like yeah. <laughs> he he yeah. made this seem so easy. Why why can't it be easy for me? Yeah, you know. And then you know once you get into it, of course you want to be more financially literate. Um, I've yeah. you know I've built a I've built the first half of an online like appearance of being, you know, a financial freedom advocate or you know, just saying hey you need to invest your money and stop fucking around. This is how you get from bedside. You build your wealth, you buy assets, and then you get out of there. You know, even if you don't want to run a business, you still want to be profitable in life. Um, we run on a hamster wheel for what reason? People the paycheck to paycheck for what reason? Because we don't have assets to support us through. You know, build your assets up. Uh, two books on it. You know, uh, white coat green bands. Uh, that was one of my one of the first books that uh, me and my business partner did. Uh, and then I did the Freedom Manifesto last year. Oh, um, I'm gonna write that one down. I w- did you like it? Yeah, I wrote it. <laughs> oh, wait a minute! No, no, that's not the one I'm thinking about. Okay, wait a minute. So this is a book you wrote? Yeah, I wrote two books. 
Wait, both? Wait, wait, wait. Which ones? These white ones, these two that you just talked about? Yeah, White Coat Green Vans and then the Freedom Manifesto. I wrote those white two White Coat Great. Wait, where can people get it? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, link in my bio. Okay, um, on IG. Yep, on IG. Link in the bio on IG is uh, White Coat Green Bands. And okay. then the second one is the Freedom Manifesto. Freedom Fuck Manifesto. that job. The Freedom Manifesto is what it's called. <laughs> okay. All right. So wait, where can people find Freedom Manifesto? Is that link in bio too? Link in bio. What are they self-published on Amazon or what'd you do? Self-published. Yeah, that's right. Good for you. Self-published. Listen, okay. people, people sleep on digital. People sleep on digital um, assets. Digital assets bought me my business card. I I complete that's the first that was when I when I left clinical practice I was like I'm gonna write a book I'm gonna write a book and so I did I went on to KDP and I was like come on I gotta like if I can if I can save a life or catch a baby I'm pretty sure I can figure out Kindle Direct Publishing and I did and and to see money come in where people buy it I was like what yeah I I mean we were doing like uh, honestly when people buy it like you can do these like you can if you sell I don't know at least eight books at a a $28 price point, you can at least see $250 a month. You know what I mean? At best. That's if you're not even trying, right? Yeah. $250 a month. Just there, right. Yes. I love it. So um okay, wait. Freedom Manifesto and White Coat. Is it green pants or gray pants? Green bands. Like green money bands. bands. Green bands. All right, all right. I got it. So white yeah. white coat, green bands and freedom manifest. So yeah, you're just like, yeah, I'll just go start a concierge practice. I'll just go do my inpatient hospice and then I'll just, you know, I'm going to write a couple books and, you know, I'm going to just. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it's funny. You got diversification of income streams, which is fantastic. Uh, listen, I'm I'm a man of many talents. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> I've been trying to turn this one into an audio book for the longest time. I just keep doing other things instead. <laughs> it's time. It's time. It's right. Time. Or, you know what? Just make it into a podcast. <gasps> Ooh, I could like one chapter at a time, do it a private podcast. You could do it as a freebie for your, as you start your, like, if you're going down the road of some sort of a coaching endeavor, yeah. uh, what a, what a phenomenal freebie, right? Like, Hey, I got yeah. a private podcast for you. It's my, it's my ebook. My coach, uh, one of my coach does that all the time with all of her books. She does, she does like a, what I would call a very simple book. It's a PDF. Um, and then she does the audios of it and it's beautiful. It's a great little what a fantastic freebie. I like that. That's genius. Or, you know, and then sell them into, you know, something on the back end that's got a little bit of cash, you know, attached to it. But I like that. I like that. Um, I think, um, Eb does that. Um, I think you interview Eb. Eb does, Eb's doing the locum, uh, yeah, the locum, uh, guide. Uh, she, that's genius. I like that. Yep. Um, well, there's all sorts of ways to get creative, you know, of course, of Uh course. Yeah, it, it's so much, so much in this field that we just don't touch on and educating the masses of our field. I think that's number one, because we completely sometimes there is just no guide out there to say, hey, this is what you probably should do. Don't listen to these people because people will only give you information freely under their guise that they can control with what you do. Just like all those people who say, oh, when you come out of school, just go straight to med search. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's bullshit. You don't got to do that. I skipped that. Fuck that. Why the fuck do I got to go struggle on the floor with like 20,000 patients and no help? Why? Why do I? 
silly. It's yeah. no, no. Well, but no that's way. the way it's always been done, Theo, as you know, which is the old adage of, you know, the entire For sure, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, I think on that note, tell if there's, I think here's what, um, and I think you're getting here, but if, what advice do you give then to the new, you know, the new FMP who's like, I kind of want to do concierge care. I want to do primary care. I want to do urgent care. Like I want to do something different. Like what, knowing what, you know, knowing the books you've written, the services that you've created, the offers that you've created five years now, well, roughly five years of business. What's your advice to them? My advice to anybody looking to one, optimize themselves or become a business, um, treat yourself like a business first, right? So the best way to do that is to, one, take your money serious. Uh, two, take yourself serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, three, have a solid plan. And four, don't let nobody play with you. <laughs> Those are the best ways to do it. And when I say treat yourself like a business, that means when that money comes in, you give yourself five pots, right? Uh, business compensation, business owner compensation, operations taxes and you can do you know whatever like slush fund you want to do yeah prop for right. profit i like a five percent prop i like profit versus methodology like the five percent little bucket for profit mike McCallowis is a genius yeah i've read that book too i've read yeah. that i've read the pumpkin plant and i've read yep. i've read clockwork like i've read all those books yep uh always educate yourself um do not be afraid to educate yourself outside of your uh, clinical discipline because there's always going to be something that you do not know. So if somebody next to you was, you know, looking different, you know, because their 401k did, you know, 10 to 15% and yours did 2% and you can't figure out what the hell is wrong is because you're reading the wrong book. You know, all I'm saying is, is whatever's in your cup, giving you something good. Don't put that cup down until that shit is finished. You feel me? Because you do not know what is outside here in this world if you don't look for it. That's his whole problem. That's the whole thing with explorers, right? You know, we we went to Antarctica, we went to the moon, you know, they they went there, they know what the fuck is up there, and you don't. So go. So right. Right. Educate just... yourself. Go watch some videos, <laughs> go read some books, go talk to some people. Like go, go. Keep YouTube moving. University. The yeah. world, listen, the world has changed. I mean, the world has changed so much because of the connectivity that we have with the internet. And we often skip over it because people are just so obsessed with dumb shit online. Like, I don't care what celebrities are doing. I don't care, you know, who stole what. I don't care about who's wearing what. I care about how this money is flowing. I watch the I watch the economy. I watch business movement. I watch these entrepreneurs move. I watch I watch all of the things that matter. If you see the money moving in one direction, you need to look that way. Mm-hmm. If yeah, you see, if you see career trends moving in one direction, look that way. Like look, when everybody started to move in on like like informatics and stuff like that in our in our um in nursing man that was a genius shift i wasn't even in the nursing field yet and i could see that that was genius because tech was about to be the next thing and then boom epic epic blew up on the scene you know every hospital got epic in it and you got all these super users and all these nurses working under them man they would they were on it before we were on it you know what i mean yeah absolutely 
that was a trend shift. Or even like now, you know, you see everybody's going back for like masters or like some type of like terminal degree of PhD, things of that nature, right? That was a shift in healthcare, you know? And it kind of created this weird platform structure. So now that like everybody else is coming out afterwards, the first thing they think was like, all right, one year at Bidside and then I'm off to CRNA school or one year at Bidside and I'm off to like some type of uh, like um, BSN to DMP program or, you know what I mean? So like trends are always going to be one of the leading indicators of what's next, right? Yeah, always attention. look for what's next. Yeah. Pay attention. Yeah. Okay. Pay attention. I love it. I think there's, um, there's so many jewels in here and just, I think pearls of wisdom and just really crystal clean or crystal clear thinking, um, in terms of mindset for you, which I think is amazing. And I thank you for sharing it. If people are interested and they want to see what you do, and how you do it, how do they find you? You said, um, I think we said at the beginning, go to white coat and then white coat, white coat medicine. Or we white can white coat. So we, we can, can white, white coat. coat is the business page. Um, and you can always find me at goat in a white coat at goat in a white coat. That's my IG. Um, that's probably one of the most active. Uh, if you're looking for a Twitter experience, um, I'm a lot more candid there, which is kind of funny in between whatever business tweet comes out that my team does. It's uh, W-E-E-K-N-D, white coat, at weekend white coat. Okay. For some okay. reason, the, we the weekend himself has only, like, reserved the weekend for himself. Okay. So I had to shorten my weekend. Not surprising. Um. Uh, <laughs> all right. And then what about, and then your website is what? If people want to see kind of the services that you do and the way that you've set up your membership model and stuff. Sure. Uh, Weekendwhitecoat.com um, or weekendfmp.com. And then in the future, I think in the next three months, I'm going to be launching goatinawhitecoat.com. Uh, I had to buy the domain. You better name. just stop what we're doing and go and buy it right now and not fuss. Because if you do, if this thing comes out and somebody's going to go buy it, and then all of a sudden <laughs> they're going to be like, hey, Theo, you want goatinawhitecoat.com? It's $12,000. Oh, don't worry. I bought it for the next five oh, years. I'm good. Oh, good. <laughs> good. good. I've, I've had that one happen a couple of times where I'm like, shit. I was talking, I was talking to my guy marketing and he was like, he's like, bro, I love this rebrand. And he was like, you should buy, you should buy the domain name and you might as well just go ahead and uh, file the trademark for it. So same day I just went and filed the trademark and I bought the website. So good for you. Good. Okay. Yeah. So that's done and done. All right. Okay. So people know where to find you. All right. Thank you so much for sharing your time today and of all course. of your brilliance and your experience and your journey of, you know, just doing what you're doing. I think it's so powerful to hear. And it's, um, it's certainly exciting to listen to just the story and just, um, you know, and to put a face with an, and to put like a face with a name, cause I've seen your name out on, on Instagram. So I love it. So, um, all right. So if you listen today, you got to remember, you got to take, I hope you guys took some notes today on a few of the things that Theo said. Remember, go out. There's so much that's available to you, but you got to be willing to go out there and get it. Pay attention to those trends. Don't sit around expecting somebody to right, figure it all out for you. Like go answer your own questions. Don't let somebody who stops you in the middle of walking through the sidewalk, you know, put you off your path. You yes. got to keep going, go around them and keep going. Yes. Yeah. And don't and don't don't like quote DM people online and just ask real life changing questions. You know what I mean? I've gotten some weird like cold DMs. Like, you know, I'm 
I got a grandmother that's dying and mm-hmm. I got a, you know, I got a house that's on fire right now. What do you think I should do with my life? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like, I don't you know what, but Theo, here's why people, here's your next, you want to talk about your next, uh, you know, your next kind of stepping stone or career path from here, start to do some, not you, the hell with health, health coaching. You do that in your sleep. I'm talking regular old coaching because people are coming to you already. They're like, Hey, Theo, and you clearly have an interest. I think of your background in psychology of trying to just understand usually, right. Why people do what they do and then how to go out and do differently in the world. I mean, come on, let's go build a coaching business. Come on. Stop us. Tell you what, that's a great idea. Uh-huh. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to work on that. Uh-huh. Let's go. Let's come on. Let's go. We'll talk next. I'm going to bring you back next year and be like, all right, Theo, what do we got here? We got a coaching practice yet. We listen, that's next. I'm, I'm telling you, that's already, <laughs> that's already on the, that's already on the slate for 2023. Oh, you gotta tell you. me twice. Good I'm going to make some, I'm going to make this functionally a paid service. <laughs> I don't, I do not doubt it. All right, Theo, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you coming today. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. Hey, if you're ready to live the good life, I want to invite you to join Nurses Living the Good Life, my group coaching program for women advanced practice nurses, where you're going to learn how to do good work in the world and do well for yourself using my proven formula, a coach approach. Best part, it's risk-free. You're either going to learn how to create your version of the good life or I'll give you your money back. Just head over to www.nurseslivingthegoodlife.com and we'll see you inside.